Hey everyone, thanks for checking out the River Community Church podcast. If you want more information about the church or things that are going on, you can visit therivercc.com or you can check out our app at app.therivercc.com. Today's message comes from Pastor Steve Taboo. The focus of today is love. It's love because that's what Christmas really is all about. As we talk about peace, love, joy, love is like right at the center, right? And as we talk about Christmas, in the busyness of the season, we can lose focus if we're not careful. We can get focused on the, the busyness of presents, the busyness of going to do things, the busyness of parties. I, I mean, before we left, we had like two Christmas parties. We got like two or three more, and I love them. I love them, but if we're not careful, we lose the focus of what Christmas is all about. And so we're going to look today at five ways to really experience love and demonstrate love during the Christmas season, if you'll join with us. So if you would turn with me to um, Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2, verses 9 through 12. In Matthew chapter 2, 9 to 12, we're going to see the wise men, as they're called, oftentimes in our culture. The wise men come on the scene. Now, I didn't grow up in church, so I, I didn't know who wise men were. But in our Christmas decorations, my mom had these candles. And there were these three guys dressed in really ornate kind of stuff. They were about that tall. And they had candles coming out of their head. And I always wondered who the three funky-looking guys were with candles coming out of their head. And then I got saved and realized, oh, those are the wise men. Okay, so we had candles that were wise men. I didn't know it. Uh, But in, in Matthew chapter 2, 9 through 12, it says this. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your love. We thank you for the way you demonstrate it to us. And Lord, this morning, we want to return that back to you as worship. We want to declare you are truly the creator of the world, the savior of the world, the Lord of our lives. Lord, as everybody was getting baptized, that is their testimony, a public testimony. They're dying to their old self and rising to walk a new life with you. Father, we know we mess it up sometimes sometimes more than than others. But Lord, we declare now you are king and we want to agree with the Magi and bow and worship you and declare you as the one true God. Pray you help me share in a way that really just helps all of us want to love more. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so if you got your listening guide, that's the thing we hand out to you when you come in. It usually has little sermon notes on it. The first thing in the in the sermon notes is that we want to challenge you this Christmas to love God with all of your worship. Now, when we're looking at these wise men, I don't think we realize the extent to which they went through to get 
to baby Jesus. So first, they had to be studying the stars. They had to be studying, studying world information. And then they, they became convinced that the, the king of the world was coming and that this star, this new star that they had found, was going to guide them. Now, just think about that if you're their friends. Okay, Bill, let me get this straight. You're going to go on a three-month journey, take worldly wealth that has taken all your, your life to accumulate, and you're going to follow a star you saw in the sky, and when you get there, you're going to worship this new king. Okay, Bill, you've lost your marbles. I mean, can you imagine trying to sell that to your spouse? Like, oh, no, I'm going to take a couple months off work, and I'm going to go find the savior of the world. <laughs> I mean, that's a pretty hard sell. And no, by the way, I'm going to give away a lot of our earthly wealth to do so. And I'm not even sure where I'm going. I'm going to follow that star in the sky. And if you're not an astrologer, you're probably thinking, honey, that star's always been there. There's a billion of them up there. Why are you picking one, right? But obviously, God was working on them. God was drawing them. God had put it in their hearts to worship, and they were being obedient and saying, yes, we will. And so they go on this journey, and then the first place they stop is the palace, right? The first place they go to is the palace where the king is. And I'm sure they're thinking, hey, king's palace, that's be, that'll be where the king's child will be. But he wasn't. Matter of fact, the king was a little bit disturbed that they came to his kingdom, these wealthy men traveling from a long way away, but not to see him. Not to bring him gifts of gold, but they were looking for the new king. Who was he? Chopped liver, right? And they left there, and they followed the star to Bethlehem, and then it had to be almost anticlimactic. He wasn't in a palace. Where was he? He was in a home. Now, we, he was born in a stable, but then at this point, it actually says they found him in a home. So most likely, it was a couple of weeks after the birth of Christ, not, not still in the stable. But it couldn't have been a nice home. They didn't have any money. They didn't live in that city. That wasn't where they were, where he had a business or anything. Probably living with someone else, maybe in a spare room. But here they come, and they come to this child, and they do something that blows my mind. They kneel. They kneel to this baby, this infant. They bow, and they worship this child. Now, I'm sure that was a great encouragement to Mary and Joseph because they'd been told that this child was going to be special. So to have these guys show up all of a sudden, that had to be a real blessing to be like, okay, maybe this is really going to work, right? And then to be given the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. What a gift. What a blessing. But the first thing I want to challenge you today as we look at Christmas is to worship Christ this Christmas. How can you put a priority on worshiping Christ greater than all the hubbub that surrounds Christmas? What does that look like? How can you do that? Well, some of you already have because you've already been serving in places like 
Lighthouse Christian Camp or the, the Foster Christmas Party and, and different things like that. Some of you have because you've been serving family members and friends and, and, and been focusing on worshiping God and teaching your kids. Obviously, as you see people getting baptized and they're saying their parents and their siblings are the greatest spiritual influence, obviously that's taking place, right? But I want to encourage you. Parents, this is like a, a really easy pitch over the base if you're a baseball player, right? It's really soft. All you got to do is swing. It's already teed up. This is Christmas. We celebrate the birth of Christ. You can do Advent with your kids. You have the Advent stuff that we give through the children's ministry. You can read the Bible with them. You can watch the Nativity story. So many ways to teach your kids what the real meaning of Christmas is. Let's make sure that we do. Let's make sure we glorify God and we, we teach them to worship him through this. Now, sometimes the trappings can get in the way. I mean, I love coming here and I love our team on the stage, man. These guys have hearts to worship. They lead us into songs of worship. But I have to admit, we got it pretty cushy here. We got cushy seats. I mean, when we started the church, we didn't have that. We had these little tight green chairs that were pretty old and had like, you know, a little foam in them. And, uh, and we met in a school. But now it's pretty nice. We have like temperature control, right? We got heat and air conditioning and, and uh, indoor worship. But when we went to Cuba, they're not allowed to build church buildings anymore. So whatever was there before the revolution was allowed to stay. But now they can't build more church buildings. So what they do is they have to meet in homes. And sometimes it gets a little tight in those homes. I got a picture of one of our meetings we had. There were 16 just in the hallway, and then around the corner was the living room, and they had the, they'd taken most of the furniture except the seating furniture, and they were just piled up. I, I would say probably there's about 40 people there that night. They do have, uh, as you can see, central heat and air called a fan. Uh, and, and man, I was dying, and the gal next to the fan turned it off because she couldn't hear. I, I was taking this photo, and that fan was like my lifeblood, you know what I'm saying? I'm like the whiny American going, please turn the fan on, you know? But these folks, they, uh, they, they worship, and they glorify God. They don't have a band. They don't have a, a place to call a church building, but they meet every week faithfully. And they pass the little basket around and they make between 10 and $35 a month. Okay, that's their, that's their salary. Now you go, you can't live off that. That's the problem, okay? They, um, they are given sub subsidies by the government of, of rice and beans and oil and a couple other things which allow them to, to make it mostly. But to watch these folks who I know are struggling with every penny to make it, put that money in the basket was amazing to me. And we are, we're so blessed to have the privilege to worship God in our nation with freedom and without any limitations. And yet I, I would challenge you and say to you, I believe we take it for granted. That if you're watching online, I hope you're watching online because you're not feeling well and not just because you like to watch the service in your pajamas because it's a privilege to worship together with other believers. I'm glad we have the online service. We enjoy it when we're sick, and we're grateful for it when we travel. But please know those online, 
This is the place to come to worship the Lord or your local church if you're in another city. Don't make this your primary because God intended us to worship and to worship together. So thank you for being here. Thank you for worshiping. This Christmas, let's put our number one priority of of Christmas, worshiping God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Second, love others with your presence. Now that's not with a T, okay? Love others with your presence with a C. Matthew 1, 18 to 25. Flip over there to Matthew 1, 18 to 25. Talk about, again, we're gonna stay in the birth of Christ. It says, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary for your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you're to give him his name Jesus, for he will save the world from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet Isaiah. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife, but he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. Wow. Emmanuel. God with us. That's the, the whole understanding of who Christ is. He's God with us. Christmas is to demonstrate the love of God to us in that he loved us so much he sent his one and only son. And to walk this earth in the broken world that we walk as a man and as God. I can't imagine the difficulty, the self-control he had to have when he was being whipped and beaten, knowing that in any moment, if he spoke the words, he could call down angels from heaven and crush his enemies. But instead, he showed grace and forgiveness to them. Wow, that is love. Christ with us. And so this Christmas, I want to challenge you to model that with your family and with those that have made a difference in your spiritual life. I want to challenge you to put that as a priority of of presence with a C more than presence with a T. Now, I know that it can be difficult because you have broken relationships possibly with family members, and Christmas can be a little bit tense and it can be dicey as you try. You know, I got to baptize my, uh, I got to see my son baptize my daughter-in-law, Carrie. Well, the more of my kids that get married, guess what? The more we're scheduling, right? It's like, okay, your family meets here, her family meets here. We got, when can we make sure we're doing this as a family? It takes work. And I want to challenge you, do the work. I know your feelings can get hurt because you're the one that does it every year, Right? Right? You're the one that seems to always make the effort. You know why? Because you're a follower of Jesus. That's why. Just like Jesus was the one that always had to love and forgive followers of Christ, we're called to always love and forgive. 
Does that mean sometimes you might get stomped on a little bit? Sure does. Does that mean sometimes you might get advantage of, taken advantage of? Definitely. But you know what? We're following the example of Christ's love. Did he get taken advantage of? You betcha. Did he get hurt? He got put on the cross. So this year, I want to challenge you to practice the ministry of presence where you are there for your family. Uh, this, this next picture I have of, of Cuba, if you want to pull that one up, is the ministry of presence. Got to go into this home and uh, meet these beautiful people. They had four kids. They sat there for an hour and a half in a room that was probably six foot by 10 foot. As I shared my testimony, and uh, the, the gal behind me is, was the translator, and we just told the story of Jesus. And uh, they, they did not give their hearts to Christ that day. But I gave the example of a baseball game that I, I use a lot when I talk about Christ. That first base is believing in Jesus. Second base, admitting that you're a sin. Third base was giving your heart completely to Christ and home is heaven. And each one of them at the end were like, yeah, I think I'm on second base. I think I'm here. I'm not there yet. I'm not ready, but I'm, I see what you're saying. So willing to listen, but not just them, but the pastor and the leaders of the church said, what you don't understand, Steve, is we feel forgotten because they're not allowed to travel. They can't go places and come back, okay? And so, and people, very few can, can go into the country. It, it takes a while to get the, the visas and, and everything. So they're like, we feel like forgotten. So when y'all come, just your presence here, praying with us, visiting with us, reminds us that God has not forgotten us. And I would say to you that you have friends and family the same way, that you may be the only person that calls them every year and says, hey, are you coming? And maybe they burned every other bridge and it's exhausting because they seem flippant like they don't really care, but they may, may just be begging every year that they'll get that one phone call and that invitation. For, uh, for many years, my dad's relationship and mine was strained. And uh, Christmas was the one time we, we would get to go down and he would give us an hour and a half to visit. At first it was just at a restaurant. <clears throat> and so Christmas was a bit of a painful time. I said to him one time, I said, Dad, if a... If a vacuum cleaner salesman knocked on your door, would you at least invite him in to see what his, his product is? He said, yeah, I'd probably do that. I said, how come I'm not invited in your home? Some of you have those same situations in your life. And I had somebody ask me this week, they said, so you drove down 300 miles every year for an hour and a half? I said, sure did. I said, why would you do that? I said, because he's my dad, and my heavenly father says, I'm to be the bigger man 
even though I'm the younger man, because I have the Holy Spirit in me. And I'm called to love. I'm not telling you to put yourself in a situation that's painful and if your family members are insulting, I'm not asking you to, to do that. I'm just saying the ministry of presence this year. Will you give the ministry of presence to those around? All right, third thing. Uh, love others with unselfishness. Love others with unselfishness. Luke 1, 26 to 28. Mary gets called to sacrifice. Let's read this in verses 26 to 28. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth to a village in Galilee to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her. For you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High God. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. The kingdom will never end. I'll just pause there. Can you imagine this moment of unselfishness for Mary? She's got her life on the right track. She's betrothed to a godly man. She's about to, to follow through with this marriage. That's what a young lady and, and a young man wanting to get married, they found the right person. All of a sudden, God says, hey, here's what, oh, blessed woman, you're going to get to have a baby, but your husband's not going to be the father. Now, we read that, and we kind of probably gloss over that, like, well, it's not a big deal. Oh, that's a big deal in Jewish culture. Number one, if Joseph doesn't agree to this, he could have her stoned to death for adultery because they are already betrothed, which carried the same fidelity requirements as marriage at that point. Number two, he could put her away quietly, which is what he was going to do as, as a kind soul. He was just going to divorce her quietly and let her go on her way since that was not his child. Number three, he could marry her take the child as his own, but even if he does that, it is still seen as they broke the laws of marriage to wait until the ceremony, and therefore they will both be shamed. So when, when Mary had this opportunity, she had to be very unselfish in that moment, to be prepared to give up everything in order to be the mother of Jesus Christ. And she said, yes. Great example for us at Christmas time now to choose unselfishness. Have you seen this lately? It used to be that all the, all the advertisers were what parents could buy for their kids. And then now it's, you know, parents could buy for kids, kids buy for friends. And they're all trying to get to buy stuff, right? But the latest advertisers I've been seeing is what are you buying for yourself this Christmas? Have y'all seen that? They got a guy pulling up, what are you buying for yourself this Christmas? A car, a, a, a diamond ring, it's, this is what, you earn this. What are you buying for yourself this Christmas? Can we become any more selfish and consumeristic than to make Christmas, where Christ came and died in an unselfish manner, to be more about us? 
We'll, we'll probably find a way, right? I want to challenge you to flip that narrative. I want to challenge you to be unselfish this Christmas. Pray for ways to love people. Pray for ways to serve people. Pray for ways to help other people. We need to model unselfishness for the world because the world is so consumed. Now, as, as a teenager, Mary was disturbed and confused with this calling. It would have been hard, but she took it upon herself. I want to ask you this year, how can you love someone unselfishly? A great example of a lady that in Cuba, I'm walking down the streets, and uh, two doors down from us, there's a lady who is pulling her son out of a wheelchair, and she has to walk up a flight of like 12 stairs to get him up there. He's probably about 70 pounds. He's nine years old. She put him up on her shoulder, and, and I was like, do you need some help? I, in my broken English, I was like, me helpo or something. You know, I was like, I don't know. What do you say, right? And, uh, and she smiled, and she nodded her head. So I carried the, the, the wheelchair up, and we got to the top, and then she couldn't get in the door with the wheelchair the way I was, so she handed me her kid. So I'm holding this young boy, and then she takes the chair in, and then she takes her son in. Now, this lady, I saw her throughout the next couple days. She would, every day, she would pick up her son from apparently the neighbor after working all day, pick him up, walk across the street to her place, and then carry him up the stairs by herself. And then go back and get the wheelchair and carry it up. And I don't know what it was, but the Lord just drew me to her, and I tried to talk with her a little bit and communicate. And she explained to me he had cerebral palsy, and he was nine years old, and and through our broken English, I just tried to love on her and realizing the great example she was of unselfishness and contrasted with the man that day that was standing next door who saw her come up and didn't offer to help, didn't offer to carry the child, didn't offer to carry the, the wheelchair. We have a choice. Selfishness or unselfishness? The world tells you that if you're selfish, you win. He who dies with the most toys wins. It's a lie. It's a trap. The devil wants to trap you into believing that you'll be happier when it's all about you. Let me tell you, it, you will be happiest and most joyful when it's all about him and others, and then you'll find the true joy of Christmas. So before I left, uh, she made a point to say goodbye to me as we're loading up the, the truck, and uh, she had her son come to, the, uh, come to the front gate of the house. This is like 12, 12 feet up, and waved goodbye and uh, melted my heart. Her example of unselfishness can be a testimony to us. This Christmas, how can you be unselfish? How can you put others before yourself? Listen, you may be the only one in your family that's doing that. I get it. It gets old. I get it. But don't give up. We have the good news of Christ. We have the Holy Spirit that dwells in us when we are followers of Christ. So therefore, we have the strength 
to choose unselfishness week after week. In Christmas season, how can you be unselfish? I want to challenge you that way. I was challenged. I want to challenge you. And the fourth thing, to love with generosity. Luke chapter 2. We're going to flip over to Luke. Luke chapter 2. I'm going to start with Mary and Joseph's generosity. Remember Mary and Joseph were, were in a different city than where they grew up in. Joseph was a carpenter, so the chance of him earning a lot of income while traveling with a newborn baby was probably pretty limited. I'm sure he was trying to pick up income anywhere he could. But part of the requirement of the law is if you have a son, you go to Jerusalem and you honor God by bringing that child before God and you present an offering. And as poor as Mary and Joseph were, they made that decision. Verse 21, chapter 2 says this, eight days later when the baby was circumcised, he was named Jesus, the name given him by the angel even before he was conceived. Then it was time for the purification offering as required by the law of Moses after the birth of a child. So his parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. The law of the Lord says, if a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. So they offered the sacrifice required in the law of the Lord, either a pair of turtle doves or two pigeons. So they came with as little as they had to be faithful, to give to the work of the Lord and to give the blessings. I want to challenge you this, this time to love with generosity. Not generosity about how biggest stuff can you buy, how much can you spend at Amazon, but generosity of your heart, generosity of your time, and generosity to people in need. How can we be even more generous at this time? How can we demonstrate to the, to the Lord our trust in Him? Now, I, I looked up a definition of giving in my phone, and the, I mean, on generosity, and they use the word generous in the definition. Now, I know that you're not supposed to do that, right? So I, I don't know why they did that. So I threw that definition out. And I made a own definition. Here's my definition. You may want to write this down. This might be famous one day in Wikipedia or something, you know. Uh, generosity is using God's money God's way. Generosity is using God's money God's way. So when you come to the point to realize every dollar you have is God's anyway, it's not like you're spending your own money. You're spending your dad's money. He's got all the money in the world. So you can be radically generous. You can understand that as you give, God will provide. Now, we don't know the timeline of the wise men. Okay, we don't. We know it was a home instead of the stable, so it was a little bit different. You know, it wasn't immediate. Uh, but Jesus is being brought to the temple and as he's being brought to the temple, these guys don't have barely two pennies to rub together. And God honors that blessing and gives them gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Can you imagine Mary and Joseph, this poor couple, and these three rich guys show up with gold, frankincense, and myrrh? Now, those three gifts are significant. Gold was for a king. It's the gift you bring a king. Frankincense was for a priest. It was used in worship. And myrrh was for burial, for one's death. You can't separate the birth of Christ from the death and resurrection of Christ. It's all one story.
It's all one story of grace and mercy. And so you and I, we need to love with generosity. We need to choose to be generous this season. And it's not just how much you spend, but it's how much you care. This last picture, uh, one of our team members from last year took a picture of the pastor and his wife, and they, they put it on an ornament. It's just a wood ornament with a picture. They don't have that kind of technology there as much, but put the picture of the pastor and the wife on this ornament, and they just, she began blubbering, and he was cheering up, and he said, the gifts that you brought us, because we brought them a lot of gifts, we brought them stuff that they, I mean, yeah, so their missionaries are excited. We bring them soap, shampoo, toothbrush, and toothpaste, okay, and y'all provide that in your giving. Along with, we also provided all their outreach last year for their ministries. They, they had 55 new believers last year as a church. Amazing church. But what he said to me was very powerful. He said, the, the thing that means the most to us is that what you bring is personal. You're not just bringing something and just writing a check. We know you care because of stuff like this. Listen, I just want to challenge you. Don't just buy a bunch of junk so you feel good about giving something to grandma. Okay? You know what your grandma would rather have? A handmade picture drawn by your kids and a photo album of your family. Am I right? But it's a whole lot easier to buy another $30 figurine she's going to stick on the shelf. I'm, I'm confessing here. <laughs> I would rather buy the 30 the, the time it would take to do the other. It's a challenge. But I want to challenge you this Christmas. Give a gift to those you love that means something. Make that choice. You can, you can buy them the bicycle and the car or whatever else you want to buy them. I mean, you know, if you love your pastor, those pretty cool cars on there, you probably ship them from Cuba. I'm just saying, you know. But I want to challenge you, make it from the heart this year. And then, so you give generously to the Lord, give generously to others as well. And then the last thing, love with forgiveness and grace. This Christmas, let's love with forgiveness and grace. Luke 23, we're going to the cross now. Christ is on the cross in the story. Luke 23, starting in verse 26, they're leading Jesus away. It says, as they led Jesus away, a man named Simon, who was from Cyrene, happened to be coming in from the countryside. The soldier seized him and put, on, put the cross on him and made him carry it beside, behind Jesus. A large crowd trailed behind, including many grief-stricken women. But Jesus turned and said to them, daughters of Jerusalem, don't weep for me, but weep for yourselves and your children. For the days are coming when they will say, fortunate indeed are the women who are childless, the wombs that have not borne a child, and the breasts that have never been nursed. People will beg the mountains, fall on us and plead with the hills, bury us. For if these things were done when the tree is green, what will happen when it's dry? Two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him. When they came to a place called the skull, they nailed him to the cross, and the criminals were also crucified. One on his right, one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. 
and the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. The crowd watched and the leader scoffed. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself if he's really God's Messiah, the chosen one. Even in the most painful time of Christ's life, he modeled forgiveness and grace. Here he is on the cross, and he says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. I want you to know he says that for you too. I don't know what you've done in your life. I don't know what sin you've committed, but I want you to know God's looking for you. You may have come today to see a baptism. Maybe you came because it's Christmas season. I want you to know you're wrong. You're here because God is looking for you. He loves you. He has a plan and a purpose, and his, his arm is not too short to reach out and bring you in. While we were traveling around uh, on our uh, mission trip, one of our team members, I asked her what she thought. She said, I really feel like we need to pray a little bit more. Like, what if we just walk up and down the street praying for the city? I was like, hey, sounds good to me. So we go walk, and we're praying out loud in English. Of course, we're English. Now, you got to understand this, this road is a non-car road. It's the main road in the town. It's where they buy everything. Hundreds of people walking up and down the street as we're walking. And so it's not weird that we're walking and praying out loud because there's a lot of noises in the street, people selling stuff, people talking to each other. So we're praying in, in English because none, none of us knew Spanish that well. And we're praying in English. And we get about 100 feet down the road and we meet this guy. I got a picture of him. Uh, this guy in the middle. He hears us praying in English, and he comes up, he goes, are you, are you, are you from America? We said, yes. He said, oh, that's, that's great. And he starts telling us his story. He came to the Lord on his own. Somewhere he had gotten a Bible, and he began to read it. And he had become a Christian, but he had no church. He didn't know really what to do next. But when he heard us praying in English, he thought maybe we were people who were following Christ because we're praying, right? And he spoke English because he was actually a professor at the college. And so he recognized what we were doing. So we prayed with him. We encouraged him. We took him to the pastor. And, and uh, he had already given his life to, his Lord, to the Lord on his own. But the next morning, he showed up ready to learn and grow. He was fired up. And it was like God wanted that man to have a church family. And he spoke to our team, one of the ladies on our team, to, to challenge us to pray that next morning. Thankfully, we were obedient instead of sleeping in like some of us may have wanted to do. Not saying who, but <clears throat> maybe yours truly, maybe. I'm just saying. And we go out and we pray. And I mean, I bet we hadn't taken 100 steps. And this guy comes to us and wants to know. The world is lying to you telling you that people don't want to know the hope of Christ. The world's lying to you, telling you that God is dead. The world's lying to you, telling you that, that people don't want to believe anymore. It's a lie. Is there a lot of hurt out there? Definitely. But when we love unselfishly, when we give our presence to people, when we pray for them and we care and we pour our lives out, it changes hearts because he changes hearts. So I want to ask you today, are you ready for Christmas? 
Do you know Christ as your Lord and Savior? I'm going to invite you to stand with me and give an invitation this morning. On, on my left over here, maybe you got some family members that you're estranged from, and, and you've been trying to reach them. Just come put their name on the stage this morning that we might pray over them. we got the, the markers down here. Maybe there's a relationship that's broken, and you need to, you just want to cry it out before the Lord. Over here to my right, we'll have a team ready to pray over you. Maybe there's a broken relationship you want to have somebody pray with you for. It's just like, man, I, I just need somebody to pray over me for this. Maybe you want to give your life to follow Christ. Maybe you're here and you've never made that step. Just come forward and kneel here, and our team member will put their hand on your shoulder and just say, how can I pray for you? And you just share, and they'll pray. Okay? And then in the back, we have a prayer room. And that prayer room is a place where you can go and have someone pray with you and listen and give you the time you need to unpack everything. I'll be down front as well. We invite you to come. Let me give this last invitation. Maybe you're here and you've prayed and said, Jesus, I want to follow you, but you've never followed in baptism. I want to put that out there today. We'll have another baptism in January. We do them every month. But maybe it's been pride. Maybe you've been holding back because of that reason. Maybe it's fear of being, doing it in front of other people. Listen, these guys, some of those were like, it's, it's scary to get in front of people. It's, it's really, you, you won't have more people cheering for you probably in the rest of your life than today unless you're an athlete. They will really and truly rejoice with you in that decision. So if God's speaking to you, you come. And let us pray with you and encourage you with whatever that decision is. Ethan, if you would, lead us in the song.